Welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I'm Jennifer, and this is episode 123. Update. Things are good. (laughs) Nothing really new going on. I did get a haircut. I guess that counts as something exciting. I mean, it does at least to me. I haven't had a haircut in a while. Um, I'm not one of those people who goes, you know, for like regular maintenance haircuts. I think you're supposed to go like every six or eight weeks. I don't do that. I'm the person that goes once a year and who cuts my own bangs in between, which I usually have to apologize for when I actually go to a salon. But I wanted something shorter. You know, summer's coming and the last few years I just spend the entire summer with my hair either, you know, up in a clip or in a ponytail, which can get really damaging for your hair, especially if you're doing it every day. Like you're, you kind of have to, you know, it's summer in Florida. You can't have that big rug of hair hanging down your back. So I definitely wanted to go shorter and I spent a few weeks kind of looking through Pinterest, trying to find different things. I sent some pictures to sister number three because I needed a second opinion. And I did finally settle on one. And I was nervous because I haven't really had short hair, you know, in as an adult in a long time. I've had short hair when I was younger. Um, when I was about I think it was about 17 or 18. It was really short. It was like a pixie. It was shaved in the back. And I loved it. I loved that haircut. But I didn't want to go that short because, you know, what looks cute when you're 18 can make you look like an old woman when you're 52. So, you know, also, I have really thick, coarse, wavy hair. So I have to be careful when I go short because... I can get that wedge head, you know, (laughs) if you don't know what that is, you can look up a picture of the HR lady from the Dilbert cartoons that that's pretty much it. So I, I've had that haircut before. It's bad, you know, where, where I've told them what my hair does and they, they don't listen and a bad haircut. If you've ever had one, you know, it's traumatic. So I didn't, you know, didn't want that to happen again. I was trying to avoid that. So I was pretty specific with the girl who was cutting my hair, which she probably didn't love, but I know my hair and I know it shrinks up and it poofs out. So when she was done, you know, I showed her the pictures. She, she looked, you know, did like the hair consult, said, you know, I, I understand your hair. I know how it needs to be cut. You know, all that stuff. Fine. Great. Let's go. After she was done cutting it and styling it, you know, and she did the big reveal, spinning me around towards the mirror. I almost cried. <laughs> it was exactly what I told her I didn't want. I looked like Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana. And if you don't know who that is, look it up. It's not good. And what can you do? I mean, it's done. I can't say, uh, can you give me my hair back? And you can't cut it more because now you're going to get into an even worse situation. 
So I didn't say anything, but I think she could tell that I didn't love it because the last thing she said to me is if I didn't like it in a couple of weeks, I could come back if I was still unhappy. I ended up just like putting my hair back in the hair tie and I paid with a good tip because I'm a people pleaser. And I went home and I was just like, I, oh, like looking at it in the mirror and I didn't want to wash it for a third time that day. So I just said, all right, just go to bed. <laughs> just go to bed, start over tomorrow. So the next day, got up, took a shower, washed my hair, let it air dry for a bit, kind of styled it, you know, like I used to before I got it cut, which is, you know, put all the styling products in, let it air dry for a bit, then come back and finish it off with the blow dryer. And to my surprise, I don't hate it anymore. It must have been just how she styled it. So in the end, only you know how your hair is going to react. So I like it, but <laughs> turns out it's kind of the same hairstyle I've had for the last 40 years, only shorter, which is probably why I like it. You know, it's what I'm used to. There's a picture of it on my Instagram if you're just dying to see my new haircut. TV podcast recommendations, no new podcasts this week. I am still working on the murder book. I finished the next chapter. Um, I also finished, which uh, chapter three of the murder book was a little bit harder than one and two, but I got through it. Still sticking with it. I also finished another book. This one was called The Last Anniversary. It's written by Leanne Moriarty. She is also the author of Big Little Lies. I liked it. It was... It was just a kind of a little slow. Like there's this big secret that the story keeps referring to. And when it's finally revealed, it's just kind of like, no, that was it. I guess that halfway through the book. So it kind of felt like this big, long, overcomplicated journey. It was okay, but I don't think I'd recommend it unless you're already a really big fan of the author. I also watched three new shows. The first is called Wellmania. It's on Netflix. It's based on a novel by Bridget Delaney called Wellmania Misadventures in Search of Wellness. It's about a woman named Liz who, when faced with a serious health crisis, is forced to change her reckless ways and get healthy. I liked it. But it took me a really long time to like Liz. She is incredibly self-centered and she doesn't really seem all that invested in getting well. She just wants to kind of shortcut her way through everything and she has a lot of destructive behaviors. She's very selfish and she just doesn't care that it's affecting her friends and her family. It took me until I think episode six out of eight. So it took me six episodes to finally have some empathy for her, but I did almost give up before then. I finished season one. It's eight episodes, but I honestly don't know if I'm interested enough to watch if there is a second season. I also watched Unstable, also on Netflix, which I definitely liked more than Wellmania, probably because it stars Rob Lowe. I was not a 
big Rob Lowe fan in my teens. I didn't really become a fan of his until he came on to Parks and Rec. But since then, I do like him in things, but only if he's playing a kind of quirky character like he did in Parks and Rec. I don't like him, you know, in like the Hallmark movies that he does, but he's quirky in Unstable too. Lowe plays Ellis Dragon, a biotech engineer who is struggling after the death of his wife. His son, played by Lowe's real-life son, moves back home to try to help his father and to save the company. I already watched the entire first season. I think there's 10 episodes. They're about 30 minutes long. And according to the internet, there will be a season two. I liked it a lot. It's funny. It's got some great characters and some really funny guest appearances. There was a series a few years ago also starring Rob Lowe and I really liked it but it only lasted for one season I think it was on Fox it was called The Grinder it was Rob Lowe and Fred Savage I this was I I don't know why this show got canceled I loved it <laughs> it was very funny but one of the best parts of that series aside from Timothy Oliphant was Mary Elizabeth Ellis who played Savage's wife she is funny in everything she does. And she has, she is one of the guest appearances in Unstable, you know, and, and just as usual, very funny, along with Fred Armistead, who plays a great role in this series. The other new show I watched was on Apple TV, and it's called The Big Door Prize. It stars Chris O'Dowd and Gabrielle Dennis. O'Dowd and Dennis play husband and wife, Dusty and Cass, living in a small town. At the same time that Dusty is turning 40, a new machine shows up in the town's grocery store. The machine, it kind of looks like a video game, and you enter it, and it claims to be able to tell you your life's purpose for, you know, a mere $2. As more and more people try it out, they start making changes based on the results from the machine. This felt to me, it's not really at all similar, but it reminded me of a very old Twilight Zone episode with William Shatner, where the diner had a fortune teller at the table, like a coin, coin operated fortune teller, and it had a devil head on the top. I don't remember any of the details. <laughs> I don't know if it was like bad fortunes he was getting. But it was like whoever was getting the fortunes from that diner, they were making life decisions, life altering decisions. And that's what this new series is like. So Dusty resists using the machine at first, but then he gives in and finds out his destiny is already exactly what he is, which he is disappointed by. I am three episodes in. I like it. I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm invested. I'm going to keep watching it. I mostly because of Chris O'Dowd. If you guys haven't seen a show, it used to be available on Prime. I don't know if it's still on there. It's called Moon Boy. It's an Irish sitcom. <laughs> where O'Dowd plays the imaginary friend of a young boy. It's very good. It's one of my favorite TV shows ever. I also finished 
the first season of Shrinking and Dear Edward, both also on Apple TV. I can't wait for the next seasons of both. Those are both two really good shows. And yes, I know there's a new season of Ted Lasso out, but I'm saving it because I think it's the last season and I'm just not ready for it to end yet. All right, now that you're all caught up, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So I'll be honest with you. Over the last week, I haven't been in that greatest mood. You know, I've been kind of, I don't know, down, blue, gray. Gray is probably the best way to put it. I've been, I've been feeling kind of hurt, you know, like a little sorry for myself. Something really minor happened and I internalized it and I made it into a bigger deal than it actually was because that's what I do. I live alone with very few distractions, which means I have a lot of time to ruminate. But I didn't want to come on here and just start complaining. I've done those episodes before and I imagine they're about as much fun to listen to as they are to record. So I knew I had to pull myself out of this poor me attitude before I recorded the podcast. And instead, I chose to focus on the positive, which feels kind of hard these days because there's not a lot of positives to focus on in the world today. Every time you turn on the TV or the radio, all you hear is bad news. And it can be hard to remember that it's not all bad all the time. I've lived that life where all I did was focus on the bad. And let me tell you, I was not fun. I became a person that was kind of a bummer to be around. Then one day I realized I had a choice. I could choose to stay in the negative place or move to a more positive place, physically and emotionally. I am much happier in Florida than I ever was in New York. Some of that is, of course, the weather, but also it's just a different pace down here. You know, people are friendlier, they're kinder, they're more genuine. Things move slower. And there was a lot of negativity and past pain for me in New York. So moving to Florida was a way for me to kind of put that behind me. Since moving here, I've also slowed down and learned to focus on the good things around me. I remember the first time when I went back home to visit after moving down here, sister number two said to me, okay, <laughs> you could never move back to New York. I've never seen you look happier. And I am happy in Florida. I used to dream of a life where I could just jump in the car and go to the beach or wherever I wanted, really. I always knew that someday I was going to live in a place where I was close to the water, where the weather was warm all year and snow was something you only saw in TV Christmas shows. And I'm here. Sometimes I have to remind myself that I am living the life that I used to dream about. After my last breakup several years ago, I did have a moment where I considered moving back to New York because I didn't know if I could do it down here by myself, so far away from my family, my friends, and everything that was familiar to me. But with each passing day, I realized not only that I could do it, but I wanted to because 
I had never really been alone before. I had always either lived with family, had friends nearby, or I was in a relationship. So when my last relationship ended, a part of me wanted to prove to myself that I could do it, that I could truly be on my own and be okay. And there were some rough moments along the way. I'm not going to lie about that. Times when I had second thoughts about staying down here, but thankfully those times were few and far between. I was talking to sister number one a few weeks ago, and she said she wonders sometimes how I do it down here all by myself. But here's the thing. I was never truly alone. At any point when things were at their lowest, I always had people I could reach out to. And in the rare moments when I couldn't reach out, I prayed. I prayed a lot. I hear people say all the time that happiness is a choice. You know, I, I would hear people say things like, I choose not to have any negativity in my life. I would think, no, yeah? So it's a choice, is it? How exactly do you do that? Negativity is everywhere. But I've come to realize in the last three years that it really is a choice. Not to avoid negativity, because that's impossible. But how you take it in, how you process it, how you absorb it, how you hang on to it. That is a choice. If you listen to the news, it's bad. It's all bad. There's so much happening in the world today that is just tragic and sad. It's unavoidable and actually shouldn't be avoided. We still need to know what's going on, even if we can't control it, because sometimes outrage creates change. Oh, how I would love to just be a potato bug and curl up in my shell and pretend everything is great. You make a choice to make things better. And sometimes it may seem that those choices only affect you. But the truth is, there are a few choices we make that only affect ourselves. Almost everything we do has a ripple effect. When I made the decision to move down here, I didn't consider the ripple effect it was going to have. I didn't know I was going to become a happier, more grateful person. Someone people wanted to be around unlike the miserable person I once was. Always critical, always focused on the negative, always ready with a snide remark, especially if I thought I could disguise that snide as a joke. A couple of years ago, I went through this period where I became really preoccupied with the person I used to be. I would picture my younger, miserable self, and I hated her. She was an embarrassment with her big, stupid, hateful attitude. I would replay all of the shameful things I had done over and over. I would just want to die from the shame that it would cause. And I would say silent prayers that no one remembered that person as well as I did. Then one day I realized that that miserable, hateful person was actually deeply unhappy and insecure. There was a reason why I was so miserable. I had used it as a shield to protect myself and to keep people at arm's length so they couldn't get close enough to hurt me. On one particularly self-pity-filled night a few years ago, I was sitting on my bed. I was alone, of course, in my 400-square-foot, one-bedroom apartment, and I was miserable. I decided to start going down a list of my greatest failures. 
each one making me feel worse and worse about myself. When I reached the bottom of my pit of failures and felt sufficiently sorry for myself, I suddenly realized I had a choice. I could choose to stay in my misery pit because even though I knew it wasn't healthy, it was familiar. And in its own twisted way, familiarity is comforting. Or I could choose to do something different. To look at each embarrassing failure as a lesson. To do better because now I know better. And I started working on forgiving myself for the person I used to be. I once heard someone say to be the friend to yourself that you are to others. And not to toot my own horn, but I'm a pretty good friend. I'm supportive. I'll back you a thousand percent when I think you're right. And I'll gently offer you advice if I think you're wrong. I'll love you even when you annoy me. So if I could do that for someone else, I should at least try to do that for myself. So I'm not there all the way. You know, there, there are still some memories of my old behaviors that make me cringe, but I'm getting there. Instead of berating myself for something I can't change, I'm trying to look at what was causing me to behave that way in the first place. I've been trying to work an old exercise where you have a conversation with yourself. It's, a, it's an old therapy trick. Well, like it's not a trick. You, you know what I mean. The therapy exercise. Anyway, it's a lot like the one that I told you about, uh, I think it was last year when I told you to have an imaginary conversation with someone you may have unfinished business with. At that time, I did it with my father and it really seemed to help. Actually, I've had several imaginary conversations with my dad since then, but I've never done the one that you do with your younger self. And it's, it's intense. I've only done it once because... <laughs> I was only able to get so far and I ended up crying really hard that I had to stop, but I, I'm not going to give up. I will try it again. I know there's work to be done there, which is why it is so hard and painful to do. I would love to sit here and tell you it's super easy and, you know, I'm totally cured, you know, but <laughs> y'all know that's not the truth. Of course, it's not easy. It's three steps forward and two steps back, but it's still progress. And for that, I'm grateful. And gratitude is the key to everything. I told you a while back that I started doing this thing in the morning when I first wake up, before my feet, my, before my feet hit the floor. I take a few seconds to just run down the things I'm grateful for, you know, family, friends, home, pets, job, all the things. And then I start my day. But this past week, you know, with me being kind of a yucky mood, I wasn't feeling very grateful. On a wide scale, the economy still sucks, gas prices are still high, and children aren't safe. Personally, my new job is hard. Living alone is sometimes lonely, and I'm struggling to figure out why I'm still single. I was still running down my list every morning, but my heart wasn't really in it. I, I knew I was just doing it more out of habit than actual gratitude. So I decided to put more focus on it. Instead of just listing the grocery list of things I'm thankful for, I added why I'm grateful and not 
just what I'm grateful for. Saying things like, I'm grateful for my car, because even though it's more than a few years old, it's still pretty reliable. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for my job, because even though it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, it's still a really good opportunity. And as long as I just work hard and stick with it, it is going to be worth it. And yes, I'm still single, but I'm grateful for the time I've had between relationships to heal and learn about myself and what I am willing and not willing to compromise on in my next relationship. I am choosing each day to be grateful and happy. That's only part of the happiness equation. I found an article on Inc.com that says that studies show that about 50% of your happiness is genetically predetermined. But that means the other 50% is up to you. And that's where action comes into play. Yeah, you can choose to be happy. But if you don't follow that up with action, it's not likely to stick. I choose to stay in Florida and not move back to New York, at least for now. I don't think I'll ever move back to New York. I think I'm going to eventually end up in Tennessee. That's the goal anyway, but God may have other plans for me. There is another side to all this because there is always another side. Yes, I choose to be happy, but the reality is my life, while filled with embarrassing, humiliating failures, hasn't really been that bad, comparatively speaking. If it had, would I have been able to bounce back and live this grateful life and choose happiness every day? I don't know. I have not lived a life where I have faced tragedy or witnessed atrocities. My life has actually been pretty good. I have been given so many opportunities to get things right. Maybe when your life has been really hard and your struggles are genuine, so maybe just Choosing to be happy doesn't seem like a realistic goal. If that's the case, you're not alone. Research has shown that for people who have dealt with serious adversity, just choosing happiness not only doesn't help, it can actually be harmful. Tony Robbins' philosophy is to just allow yourself 90 seconds per day to focus on negative things that are happening around you and then just shut it off. Switch it to thinking about all the positives. That's impossible. I don't know about you, but once I start going down that long, dark road, I'm not easily brought back to the sunshine. It's like someone telling me, you know, whatever you do, don't you dare think about panda bears with all their cute, cuddly behaviors. They really are the court gestures of the animal world. Now, all you can think about is panda bears. See? Not so easy, Tony Robbins. The goal is not simply to avoid negativity. Shit happens. That's the reality of life. You have to allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling when the bad things happen. My only hope for you is that you don't stay there. And you know how the internet tells us we can't be happy with someone else until we find happiness in ourselves? I think that's true, too. The happiness that is found in external things, you know, people, jobs, money, it's temporary. The only lasting happiness is the one we find in ourselves. I used to know this person. Well, I guess I guess I still know them. It's just we're not as close as we used to be. He is currently telling people he is living his best life. And maybe he believes that. 
but I know him, and I know he is actually a deeply unhappy person. Some might even call him miserable. He has spent years searching externally for happiness, jumping from relationship to relationship, job to job, drug to drug, always thinking that it was the next thing that would make him happy. And there were times when he thought he'd found it, when he was happy. But they didn't last. They couldn't last because he was never happy with himself. One of the saddest things is to watch someone constantly chasing after something and knowing they'll never find it. I don't know. Maybe that's his karma. And that's kind of what I've been thinking about lately. Instead of just feeling sorry for myself and wondering if I'm ever going to be in a relationship again, I choose to believe that the universe has provided me with this time to find happiness within me, to forgive myself and accept me as I am today with my flaws and past embarrassing failures. I know part of the reason I'm still single is my choice. I've had opportunities where I could have settled, you know, I, then I would be in a relationship. Just the other day, I was talking with someone on the app, and things were going okay, but suddenly I got the ick factor. I can't say specifically what it was. He was, a, he was a bit too assertive. He was a bit too complimentary. I know, I know. He kept trying to get me to meet him out. He was having dinner at a restaurant not far from me. And I told him I was in for the night, but if he wanted to make plans for later in the week, that would be okay. He never responded. I guess it was a now or never kind of situation for him. I could allow all of these negative situations to get to me, or maybe I should just accept the possibility that I'm never going to be in another relationship. There's a small part of me that thinks that maybe I've already been given all of the opportunities I'm going to get as far as relationships are concerned, that maybe we're only allotted a certain amount to get it right, and I've blown all my chances. But there's a big part of me that still has hope that there is someone out there for me, someone who will choose me, who will choose to love me over and over every day. They will wake up and they will choose me. But for now, all I have is hope. It's entirely possible that I won't be in a relationship again. And if that's the case, I'll find a way to make peace with it. But today... I'm going to choose to be happy on my own. All right, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks for coming back for episode 123. Don't forget, join the Facebook group, like the Facebook page, both called my so-called midlife podcast. Follow me on Instagram at JennyJoy316. If you like the podcast, tell your friends and then tell them to listen. The second part is the important part. If you have questions or topic suggestions, you can email me at my so-called midlife podcast at gmail.com. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. Until next time, love you. Bye.